0: How's everybody at night? We doing alright? I hope so. So nice out. Didn't have to shovel any snow today. If you have your Bibles with you, I want to invite you to open up to Proverbs chapter 21. And we'll continue taking our journey through the book of Proverbs. As we do so, we want to remind ourselves, right, as we go through Proverbs... We want to look at Proverbs as road signs. Proverbs are given to us to describe for us the two roads that Jesus talked about. Right? Jesus came and he said that narrow is the way of salvation, few there are who find it, broad is the path of destruction, and many there are who find that. The idea behind it is in our natural tendencies, we, our natural tendencies are going to take us in opposition to God's way. That's why Jesus came, so that he could say to you and I, come follow me. Come follow me. He shows us how to walk that narrow path. Now, as we walk it, as we follow Jesus, we want to pay attention. Pay attention to street signs. And for me, that's what Proverbs is all about. Little street signs, little uh, pithy quotes that remind me of things I don't want to get wrapped up in which I probably do get wrapped up in. But when I do, and I recognize it in the book of Proverbs, it it allows me to do something, right? Change my direction. There's another word for that. What do we call it? Repentance. That's it, right? Repentance. All repentance is is saying, whoops, I'm going the wrong way. And we go before the Lord, ask forgiveness, turn around, get back on the path where we're supposed to be. So, So hopefully we'll be able to to see that as we work our way through. Proverbs 21, we'll read it together. It says, A king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he will. Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs his heart. To do righteousness and justice is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. Haughty eyes and a proud heart. The lamp of the wicked are sin." The plans of the diligent surely lead to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. The getting of treasures by a lying tongue is a fleeting vapor and a snare of death. The violence of the wicked will sweep them away because they refuse to do what is just. The way of the guilty is crooked, but the conduct of the pure is upright. It is better to live in a corner of the housetop Then in a house shared with a quarrelsome wife. That's going to be in here twice, Lisa. Just since you started snickering first, I just thought I'd let you know that verse is in this chapter twice. Must be very important. (laughs) The soul of the wicked desires evil, his neighbor finds no mercy in his eyes. When a scoffer is punished, the simple becomes wise. When a wise man is instructed, he gains knowledge. The righteous one observes the house of the wicked, he throws the wicked down to ruin. Whoever closes his ear to the cry of the poor will himself call out and not be answered. A gift in secret averts anger and a concealed bribe, strong wrath. When justice is done, it is a joy to the righteous, but a terror to evildoers. One who wanders from the way of good sense will rest in the assembly of the dead. Whoever loves pleasure will be a poor man, he who loves wine and oil will not be rich. The wicked is a ransom for the righteous and the traitor for the upright. It is better to live in a desert land than with a quarrelsome, fretful woman. There you go again, Lee. <laughs> Precious treasure and oil are in a wise man's dwelling, but a foolish man devours it. Whoever pursues righteousness and kindness will find life, righteousness, and honor. A wise man scales the city of the mighty and brings down the stronghold in which they trust. Whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. Scoffer is the name of the arrogant, haughty man who acts with arrogant pride. The desire of the sluggard kills him, for his hands refuse to labor. All day long he craves and craves, but the righteous gives and does not hold back. The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination. How much more when he brings it with evil intent? A false witness will perish, but the word of a man who hears will endure. A wicked man puts on a bold face, but the upright gives thought to his ways. No wisdom, no understanding, no counsel can avail against the Lord. The horse is made ready for the day of battle, but victory belongs to the Lord. Let's pray. Lord God, as we come to your word uh, this evening, Lord, we pray that you would open our eyes. God, open our hearts. Help us to hear, uh, reckon, to understand, comprehend what it is that your word is calling us to. Lord, help us. Just pay attention to street signs to see what road we're walking, to know whether or not if the road we're on is the one that we are following you through, the way of everlasting life. God, we pray that you would anoint our time together. Bless it as we look to you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we take a look. He begins with this idea of the sovereignty of God in the first two verses. Let's look at it together. It says, The king's heart is a stream of water, in the hand of the Lord. So here's what I want you to understand. The king's heart is a stream of water. A stream of water for a people for whom the king is ruling is blessing. It's provision. But every nation needs water, right? So the idea that he's laying out is, is, is this concept, that from the heart of the king will flow blessing. And the blessing that flows from the heart of the king is in whose hand? It's in the Lord's hand. It's in God's hand. One of the judgments that God talks about in the Old Testament is giving us the leaders we deserve. You guys remember we talked about that? The Lord said, I will give you children to lead you. Now, I don't know if you ever turn on a news, but probably the closest thing I can describe all the fighting going on in Congress, on Capitol Hill, in government, seems like everywhere. It's like a bunch of little kids having a Uh, fit about not getting their way or not having what they want or or whatever it just feels like exactly what god was talking about he said if you are in rebellion against me if you are going in the opposite direction not walking the path of life then i'll give you children to lead meaning that the leadership that we have is going to flounder it's going to struggle now what is it that god tells us to do about that you guys remember When Solomon is establishing the temple, God said, if my people who are called by my name do what? Humble themselves and pray. Look, at you guys know the deal. So what is it that we're supposed to do when we recognize that's the state we're in? We humble ourselves and we pray. Right? Doesn't the scripture tell us we're to pray for the king? Pray for our leadership, pray for our government. If there's things we don't like, we can stomp our feet, too, and join our voices to the clamor, or we can do what the Word says. Pray. Pray. For For the Lord promises in, in uh, Chronicles, what? I'll hear your prayer. And I'll do what? Heal your land. That's right. That's right, right? So that's how we are to respond when this goes on. So, first verse he lays out, the king's heart is a stream of water, it's in the hand of the Lord, and he turns it wherever he will. Right? So the idea is that God is sovereign. What it doesn't necessarily mean is that God has decreed all things that come to pass. Okay? Just because God can doesn't mean God does. Do you understand that? Most of us, I would say most of us, make the choices we make. We may fall into an occasion where where we come to a crossroads that God has decreed. Right? He is sovereign. He is overall. Is there a king higher than God? No king higher than God. He is it. He is it. So when we look at sovereignty, it's probably better that we consider sovereignty not as... Ultimate control over every aspect of life, but ultimate responsibility, the top. He's it. He's over it all. Does that include the ability to control? Yes. Right? When we read in Exodus, the Bible says, before Pharaoh ever heard one word out of Moses' mouth, what did God say? I will harden Pharaoh's heart. Exodus chapter 4. Before they ever talked. That's a decree. God's going to do it. Does he have the right to? Yeah, he's God. Last I checked, he don't have to check with me at all. He don't have to ask me if I think it's okay. He is the sovereign. He is the one overall. So he's directing the heart of the king. So I think that's one of the reasons why God decrees for his people to pray. Right? Because if his people don't pray, God can just sit back. Okay, I'll give you the king you deserve. But if his people pray, then God acts. You guys get where where I'm coming from, the the idea anyway? And it says in verse 2, every way of a man is right in his own eyes. You ever met a man who's pretty sure everything he does is wrong? Yeah, no, not too many of them anyways. Most of the time a man thinks he's got it figured out. Now we've read similar verses to this in Proverbs several times, right? There is a way that seems right to a man, but what path is that? It's a path of destruction, right? It's what it says. It's a path of destruction. He's on the road of death. So it's not about what I think is right. It's about what who thinks is right. What God says is right, right? So I want to be following him, not me. What do I know about my heart? What does the Bible say about my heart? And my heart's a little messed up, right? Deceitful, wicked, words like this is how God describes my heart, right? So do, can I trust it? No, I need to, but I can trust God's heart, can't I? I can trust God's word, and so that's where I want to go for my direction. There's a way that seems right in his own eyes, but look, listen to what it says, but the Lord weighs his heart. No matter how a man might convince himself of the path he's on, God knows your heart. God knows why you're there. You can, you ever tell yourself a lie so much you believe it? Yeah? I know i I think uh, older guys do it all the time, especially older fat guys. Uh, I, I just look in the mirror and I say, I could have it back any time if I really wanted it. You know, just do a little exercise and i would be just like being 20 again. That's a lie, by the way. But I'm pretty sure I believe it. And the idea here is that there's got guys, men, women, people who who are telling themselves lies. The word of God says, but God knows your heart. So the worst kind of deception there is of all is self deception, isn't it? How many times did Jesus through his apostles, through his disciples, and and through himself say, Don't be deceived? Don't be tricked. Don't fool yourself. God knows the heart. This is what he's declaring. In Isaiah 32, 1 and 2, it says, Behold, a king will reign in righteousness, and princes will rule in justice. Each will be like a hiding place from the wind, a shelter from the storm, like streams of water in a dry place, like the shade of a great rock in a weary land. What God is saying in Isaiah 32 is, when you have a good king, it makes things good. Right? Right? the the nation's good life is good things are in a good place and he tells us what should we do about that then pray 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 for our leadership pray for our king he goes on now talks about doing righteousness and justice look at verse 3 to do righteousness and justice is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice to do righteousness and justice the scripture says it another way To obey is better than sacrifice. Right? To obey. To to walk the road that God is calling us to to walk is better than going through a sacrificial system that covers my failures. God would rather than your piety, rather than your ritual, he would rather have the desire to actually follow him. Does that makes sense? Because sometimes, for some people, I don't even want to try to walk. I just figure God has to forgive me, and I'll ask him to forgive me, and I'll do whatever I want. And for them, in the Old Testament, how would they ask for forgiveness? Bring a sacrifice, right? And the Lord's saying, I'd rather just have you want to do what I'm asking you to do, than bring me sacrifice. I'd rather have your desire. So what's he, is, he, is he giving us a street sign? He's saying, look, don't just fall into some kind of a, a ritualistic existence where you're constantly excusing your sin, but rather give your heart to the Lord so that your desire is to follow him. Where you lead me, I will go. I love what Ruth says, right, to Naomi. You guys remember in Ruth when she says, where you go, I will go. I love that phrase, your people will be my people. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. Ruth is saying, lock, stock, and barrel, I'm with you, Naomi. And to me, it's such a great picture of of how we ought to respond to the Lord. Now, we're going to fall, we're going to fail, we're going to need sacrifice, right? We're going to need confession and repentance. But it's all about the condition of my heart. One of the things I love about Celebrate Recovery... When you go to a Celebrate Recovery meeting, you are not identified as whatever your str- struggle or sin is. Okay, you you may go. May, maybe some of you guys have experienced NA or <coughs> or AA, and one of the things that you might describe yourself as as an alcoholic. Hi, my name's Jackie Roberts. I'm a, I'm an alcoholic. Uh, you know, maybe tell a little bit of your story as you introduce yourself to the group. But in Celebrate Recovery you introduce yourself as a follower of Jesus Christ. It's dramatically different. One is being identified by my sin, the other is being identified by my Savior. Does that make sense? So rather, I'm Jackie Roberts, a grateful believer in Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, who struggles with whatever it is. Right? Because that is a real statement of, of regular life, but it's not making excuses for our sin, but rather a desire to delight in what delights my king. Right? What delights my Lord. That's what I want to delight in. Then we see the wicked uh, the wicked man's pursuit of wealth. Let's look at the, uh, verse 4 through 8. It says, Haughty eyes and a proud heart, the lamp of the wicked, are sin. So you have three things described here. Haughty eyes and a proud heart. So both are very similar terms, haughty and pride, pr- proud eyes, lofty eyes, and uh, an immodest or unrestrained heart, and the lamp of the wicked. There's the idea of the lamp of righteousness, the light upon which we shine and the direction we want to go. If you and I were walking in the woods in the dark, we would use a flashlight, Right? We turn on a flashlight. And if we're pointing that flashlight at the narrow road of life, then it's the light of righteousness. Does that make sense? If I'm pointing that light at the broad way of destruction, it's the lamp of wickedness. Does that make sense? So rather than illuminating the way I need to go, it's illuminating the way I need not to go. All right? So you have three things. this pride, pride of eyes. Pride of life, right? The scripture talks about this being the real foothold, of where sin enters in and, and causes us to struggle in our life. <laughs> and the lamp of the wicked, their sin. Now, all, let's not let's let's be careful of the uh, religious language. All all you need to when you see sin means that's the wrong way. These things are proud eyes, proud heart, and shining your light on the wicked. That's the wrong way. That's not the path of life. That's not, you're not going to find Jesus there, right? I'm not going to find Jesus walking in pride. Where do I find Jesus? Walking how? In humility, right? So that sounds like the opposite direction, doesn't it? I'm not going to find Jesus in pride of life, right? I'm going to find him in humility. I'm not going to find Jesus by shining light on the wickedness. I'm going to find him by shining light on righteousness. right? He's over there. He's over, he's in the other direction. This is what the proverb is telling us. It's the, this is the way of the wicked. This is the way that leads away from the path of life. The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance. But everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. So he's saying, look, the plans of the diligent, the Bible's going to always compare the, the wise and the fool, the diligent and the lazy. So we don't want to, we, we, we're not trying to make it say too much. The wise following Christ. The fool says there is no God. The diligent is following Christ. The lazy, the sluggard is not. This is, these are the comparisons that he lays out for us. So he's saying, look, the diligent guy, he's going, his, that path leads to abundance. If I'm walking the path of life, where does it lead? Jesus said, I came to give you life, and life how? Life more abundantly. So if I'm following Jesus, I'm on an abundant path. The guy who is diligent, Okay, that following the path of Jesus leads to abundance, but everyone who's hasty to poverty. So if the path of abundance is an example of understanding the way of life, what would be the path of poverty? Death, destruction. The other way, right? This is the story of Proverbs. I don't want to go that way. I want to go this way. I don't want to be hasty. I don't want to just... Run, you guys. How many of you have been like that before? Hasty. I'm just gonna do whatever pops in my head first. Bloop, okay, I'm gonna go do it, and then thought, oop. I can only guarantee you one thing: if I do whatever pops in my head first is wrong. If I stop after that, just remind myself that every time I do whatever first popped into my head, I'm wrong. I'll be in pretty good shape. The Bible and the idea of hasty is is someone who is not considering their way. Someone who's not considering what does the Word of God say? What does the street sign say? If I'm trying to find my way somewhere, I'm going to look at the street sign, right? Or I'm going to be aware of my surroundings. Well I know, I turn at the second rock, past the oak tree, and I come to so-and-so's place, right? But if I'm not paying attention to any of that, who knows where I'm going to come up. I could come up anywhere. That's the idea of being Hasty, not paying attention, not being plugged in, not seeing what's going on. Verse 6, he says, The getting of treasures by a lying tongue is a fleeting vapor and a snare of death. Lying your way to riches, using deceitful means to gain treasure, is not the path of life. You could end your life rich and still lose it all, right? You remember the story Jesus said? A guy was working, he had an abundance, he said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to tear down all my barns, build bigger barns. So I have more, more room for all my stuff. And the Lord said, you fool. Today your soul is required of you, and now whose will all that stuff be? You put all your hope, your treasure was in your stuff. But the real treasure of life is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. So we want to follow that. We want to seek that treasure, not being deceitful for wealth, but rather (coughs) following the right way. Look at verse 7. The violence of the wicked will sweep them away because they refuse to do what is just. The violence of the wicked carries the same idea as the earlier verse. Doing whatever it takes to amass wealth. Doing whatever it takes to get ahead. Doing whatever it takes in your job so you get the job that, that maybe someone else... That you you were in competition for, right? The dog-eat-dog world of 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 life that that some people walk, And, and the Lord says that's not the way of life. It's not the way of life. That's a path of destruction. A lot of people walk it, but Jesus is standing on a narrow path, saying, "Come, follow me. My way is not that way. My way, my my attitude is not that attitude." In verse 8, it says, the way of the guilty is crooked, but the conduct of the pure is upright. The idea, the way of the crooked, the wrong way is a crooked path. It's not straight. It's a long and winding road. And you're wandering all over the place, heading in multiple directions, but not ever getting where you want to go. God says the path of the upright, uh, the pure is upright, straight. Straight path. Long time ago, I learned the, the narrowest, or what is the shortest distance between two lines is, or two dots, is a straight line. I'm gonna mess up, and give me enough time, I'll say it six ways wrong. The 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 closest path between two dots is a straight line, not a curvy one, winding everywhere. So what's the Lord saying? The, the path of destruction, it's all twisting and turning, but the path of the upright. It's straight, and and particularly when it comes to ethics, okay? When it comes to how should I live my life? What should I do? How should I behave? God wants us to be just men and women, doesn't he? The Lord told the scribes and the Pharisees, you know, you guys brag about all the tithes you give. And Jesus said, you should have done that. And not left the weightier matters of justice and mercy. You brag about all the things you did, but justice matters to God, doesn't it? Does God care about how the widow is treated? How about the orphan? Right? These are things, pure and undefiled religion is this, right? I don't know how much clearer it can be spoken. Does God hold a nation accountable for how they treat the poor? If you don't think so, read Ezekiel 16. You may see in the pages a little hint to the United States of America. Because Ezekiel 16 is going to talk about the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah. And while we're pretty sure we know what that is, one of the things that's described in Ezekiel 16 is she had fullness of food, idleness of time, and she couldn't care less about the poor that's how god was describing the sin of sodom so we there is a there justice matters to god it should matter to us now i shared several months ago you know i i'm a one of them weird guys who watches documentaries sometimes and <coughs> sometimes i get disgusted by the injustice in our world there's a lot of just messed up not it's bad and just like we were talking earlier what do we do about the king if i don't like the king or if i don't like the direction of my nation what do i do pray if i don't like the the direction of justice in the land what should i do pray we act like that's oh, that's i should i should pick it i should do i should do a lot of other things right but instead maybe i should bow the knee first and do what god says and see what kind of a difference that makes. Before I march. Well, I'm not saying march is bad. I march. I've, I've walked around holding signs. Had tomatoes thrown at me or whatever. You know. I'm okay with that. But I don't want to negate. The the weightier matter. Which is prayer. That we're praying. That God would bring justice to our land. Now. Look at the verse 13. It says, Whoever closes his ear to the cry of the poor will himself call out and not be answered. Interesting proverb. No. The one who doesn't care about the poor, we were just talking about this from Ezekiel 16, <clears throat> he will one day himself cry out and not be answered. I think a lot of times we wonder, I wonder why you know, I'm praying and I'm not getting an answer. You know, there's several scriptures that talk about things that God doesn't answer and reasons why he don't. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Bible says, the Lord will not answer me. If I am fighting with my spouse and uninterested in reconciling, the Lord says, I won't answer you. You got aught with your brother. Bitterness, malice. Between you and you don't want to deal with it, God says, "Yeah, don't bring your offering to me." What did He say? Set it down on the ground and do what? Go make it right, then come back. The Scripture says, "In as much as it's possible for you, be at peace with all men." Now, it's not always possible for me to make peace, right? But I should pursue it. Then the Bible say I'm a peacemaker, right? I wanna, I wanna follow Christ. So I want to hear the cry of the poor. I want to I be aware of the injustice in the land. I want to put blinders and pretend it's not there. It's there. Right? Somewhere in the United States of America, there are children being sold as slaves. That does not rattle your noodle. Think how in the world does that happen? No, not in our nation. Yeah. You've heard of it, right? Human trafficking? No? I'm the only one who knows about that. Yeah, no, that stuff's real. And here, not someplace third world country. Here. Here, the Lord says, Hey, don't put a deaf ear to the cry of the poor. Don't put a deaf ear to the cry of the of the poor. Because if you do, you won't be answered. And then, the idea is here, the wicked man who will close his ear to the cry of the poor is also the man who wants to take a bribe. For a gift in secret averts anger, and a concealed bribe, strong wrath. So, rather than listening and and praying and going before the Lord, instead, what are we doing? Instead, we're saying, you know what, I'm going to take a bribe. And if I take a bribe, maybe that will make it all better, you know. So, These are two ways we don't want to live. These are two directions that aren't walking in the path of life. Verse 15, when justice is done, it is a joy to the righteous, but terror to evildoers. One of the things that God said the purpose of government was to put fear in the evildoer. Why? Because government is supposed to make wicked men tremble. Right? Uphold justice. Not allow wickedness to run rampant. And the deal is not to let wickedness run rampant if they give a greater amount of money to your campaign. That's not supposed to be how it works. Right? Something's either right or wrong. Especially in God's Word. It's very black and white, isn't it? Right or wrong. Let's let's walk the path that God has laid out before us. We want to see the... The, the righteous uh, separate, as we look, the righteous separate from the wicked. Verse 16, one who wanders from the way of good sense will rest in the assembly of the dead. Now, I just want you to picture that as directions. One who wanders from the way of good sense. Now, let me, t- let me call that something else. One who wanders from the path of life is going to end up where? Right? You guys get what he's saying? There's two paths you can go by. So if I get off of the path of life, what path am I on? Death, right? I don't want to be on that. I don't want to walk that path. I want to walk the path of life. Whoever uh, loves pleasure will be a poor man, and he who loves wine and oil will not be rich. Now again, we're talking about ultimates. Where does the road go? Where does the road go if I'm a lover of pleasure? It's not the path of life. The path of life is a lover of God. Right? We all know the verse. In the, in the last days, men will be lovers of themselves. Lovers of pleasure, not lovers of God. You guys tracking with me? So the idea here is the same way. Look, you can be a lover of pleasure, or you can be a lover of God. It's, it's a question of ultimates. Right? Now everybody would rather have pleasure than pain. It's not about that. It's about what's your ultimate? What's your ultimate goal in life? To find God or find pleasure? Those two roads don't lead in the same direction. So we want to <clears throat> follow the way that leads to life. <clears throat> the wicked <clears throat> is a ransom for the righteous and the traitor for the upright. So we want to leave behind. We want to stand. The idea that he's laying out in this proverb. Is that wickedness and righteousness go two different directions. You with me? The traitor and the upright go two different directions. I'm going with God. Then I'm the upright. If I'm away from God. I'm the traitor. You get what I'm saying? The, the idea again of, of these two paths. Verse 19. It's better to live in a desert than with a quarrelsome and fretful woman. One of the ideas we see in the text that talks about, these two texts that talk about a contentious woman is that even the closest of human relationships can be divided by selfishness. Right? Doesn't, you could put man or woman, it doesn't make any difference. My wife is happy and I'm a contentious husband. Yeah, I'm, we're the flip side of this. If there's anybody in my house grumbling, it's probably not Kathy. It's probably me, right? But the idea is, if I'm going to walk in selfishness, then even the closest of human relationships, husband and wife, can be destroyed by that amount of selfishness in a home. In other words, selfishness is the opposite of selflessness. Selfishness leads to the way of destruction. Destruction of a marriage, destruction of a relationship, destruction the relationship between friends it doesn't, it doesn't matter the the people that you put in the verse right you guys with me what matters is if i'm going to if i'm going to be contentious grumpy you know and that's just how i want to be this is just how i am you just have to accept that i've used all the excuses in the world but the bible says the joy of the lord is my strength not my grumpiness doesn't the bible doesn't say your contention and crankiness is okay god made you that way just be happy with yourself. That's not in the Bible. The Bible says, put off the old man who smells like decaying flesh. That's a Jackie, uh, what's the, thanks. You guys, I know somebody would get it for me. That's a Jackie paraphrase. Put off the old man and do what? Put on who? The new man, right? Who's becoming more and more like Christ. Now, we're different when we follow Jesus. Not Making excuses for who we are. <clears throat> it goes on in verse 20. Precious treasure and oil are in a wise man's dwelling, but a foolish man devours it. Whoever pursues righteousness and kindness will find life, righteousness, and honor. Now look what's going on. Precious treasure and oil are in the wise man's dwelling. Remember, we have that comparison. Wise man, the picture is, in the narrow road, fool the wide path. So the wise man, he has the things that he needs. He has the things that he needs. Precious treasure and oil are in his dwelling. But the fool, he just wastes it all. The fool has said in his heart, there what? There is no God, right? There's two different directions. Then the one who pursues righteousness, what will he find? He finds life, righteousness, honor. Why? What's at the end of the road? If I'm walking the path of life, what's at the end of the road? Life, right? That's what we would expect. A wise man scales the city of the mighty and brings down the stronghold in which they trust. (laughs) The idea is a wise man, a follower of Jesus Christ, is going to be able to overcome the challenges in life, even though, say, it's Jericho, and everybody's put all their trust in the big walls. The man who trusts in the Lord is going to be able to overcome that. Right? Because he trusts in God, and God's bigger than the walls. God's bigger than the stronghold that we might trust in. God's bigger than our money. God's bigger than our problems. God's bigger than a lot of things, right? We want to put our hope, our trust in Him. We want to be focused on Him. Then he says, whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. Seems like we read that in James, don't it? It said that in James, that a man who is mature, in other words, he's growing in the Lord, one of the first places we see maturity is in his ability to do what? Control his tongue. Yeah. Learn to listen twice as much as he speaks. That's a good place to start, isn't it? So it's, that's what he's laying out for us. Hey, whoever keeps his mouth, what, what path is that? Life. That's life, right? That's life. The Bible says it's a fool who gives full vent to his anger. How many times have we given the excuse, you know, I just needed to vent. But the Bible says that's a a fool. That's not a path of life. Right? That's a path of destruction. you got cares and concerns you can't deal with? Who are you supposed to give them to? The Bible says, Cast your cares upon me, says the Lord, for I care for you. Give them to me. Guys, God big enough to handle them? Give them to him. Give them to him and allow him to do the work that he wants to do. <clears throat> Scripture goes on. Verse 24. Scoffer is the name of the arrogant, haughty man who acts in arrogant pride. The Bible said God resists who? God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. So in Proverbs, if we're talking about two roads... And I want to talk about the road of wickedness. That would also be the road of pride. Arrogance. The idea is hey, that's not going the way you want to go. When the Bible says that God resists the proud. In the same verse that it says. You are to resist the devil. what? And it's the same word. That's kind of a bad thing. Isn't it? If God is resisting me in the same way I'm supposed to resist the devil. Then maybe pride's a problem. Yeah, we should probably get over our self importance, <laughs> our own arrogance. God resists the proud. What did God say to Peter when Peter rebuked Jesus? What did he say? Get behind me, who? Satan. Get behind me, Satan. A uh, Peter. That's the guy who's going to preach at Pentecost. One of the disciples. Yeah? But he was standing in his own arrogance and pride. He thought he could tell God what to do. We can't tell God what to do. We don't know everything. You ever have your kids tell you that they already know everything? If they already know everything, you you can't possibly know everything. My 16, I was sure my parents were the dumbest people on earth. Justice comes when you have your own 16-year-old and he thinks the same thing about you. And justice comes again when you watch your uh, adult son with children who think the same thing. Perpetuates, right? The reality is we we have to recognize. Yeah, I I don't I don't know it all. God does. I can trust him. I want to trust him. I want to lean into him. I don't want to be a proud man. The desire of the sluggard kills him, for his hands refuse to labor. Remember I told you, there's a comparison, right? The diligent and the sluggard, like the wise and the fool. The wise on the path of life, the fool path of destruction. The sluggard, the path of destruction. The diligent, the path of life. Okay, everybody tracking? This is the way we want to walk. All day long, he craves and craves. So he has all these desires that are not satisfied. That's the point. This guy... This, is, this was written long before the Rolling Stones put it together, right? You guys know what I mean. yeah. Can't get no satisfaction. Yeah, yeah, actually, you can in Christ. They, they try, they try, they have these cravings, but they can't fulfill them. The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination. How much more when he brings it with evil intent? The idea of bringing it, the sacrifice of God, when it's not even sincere, you're just going through the motions. Yeah, that doesn't fly with the Lord. That doesn't fly with him. <clears throat> That's evil. That's the path of destruction. A false witness will perish, but the word of a man who hears will endure. Isn't it interesting how he said that? Listen to how he says it. A false witness will perish. That means a guy who lies. A guy who lies, what, what, what road's that? Yeah, here's the short way to say it. If you lie, you fry. Right? That's, is that the path of life? Is a liar the path of life? Nope, not the path of life. So I, I don't want to do it. Right? I'd like. I need to stay away from that. <clears throat> so you have that comparison. A false witness will perish, but the word of a man who hears. Isn't that interesting? How it's said. The word of a man who hears. The Bible says, "Be quick to listen and slow to speak." We need to learn to hear. You know, one of the ways you can learn to hear. Stop trying to interrupt and say what you think you need to say. Shh. Listen. Oh, but I know what he's saying. Maybe not. You are, your brain's already six paces ahead. Shut her down. Listen. One of the things I love about Jesus is how he would speak to people's hearts. You know what I'm talking about? Rich young ruler comes to him. What must I do? Right? Jesus is talking to him. He's able to get right into the heart of the issue. Why? Well, I think it's because he listened. He could hear what was going on in the heart of man. And if we stop talking so much, maybe we could do better. You think? I think we could do better. If we stop. Everyone who has a different opinion than me is not evil. Maybe I need to listen. And I think it's interesting here. The man... Here, that's describe the the word of a man who hears, who's listening. That will endure. A wicked man puts on a bold face. Okay, I'm just going to go. Here I go. I'm just going to go. But the upright gives thoughts to his ways. The upright is thinking, is this what God wants for me or no? The the uh, wicked man, nope, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to do it. <coughs> but the wise, the upright, he gives thoughts. And then we wrap it up the way we started with the sovereignty of God. It says, no wisdom, no understanding, no counsel can avail against the Lord. Yeah? This is what we learn from the Word of God. God wins. If you're fighting against God, what should you do? Yeah, that's a great idea, John. Quit fighting against God. No? I think that's a good idea. That's, that's right. You should stop it. Don't fight against him. Why don't we want to fight against him? Because God wins. How many times? Oh, you're kidding. Yeah, yeah. So man hasn't learned that. Man stands in his rebellion fighting against God. No amount of wisdom, no amount of counsel, no amount of plans is going to overcome God. God is king. He is the ruler over it all and through it all. So the scripture says, in light of that idea, look at at verse 31. The horse is made ready for the day of battle, but who brings the victory? The Lord does. You can talk about how great our nation is and how well we came together and what an important role we played in World War II. And God would say, you made the horse ready, but I gave you the victory. You get the idea? God says, you get the horse ready, that's great. But the victory is His. The victory is His. So, (coughs) we want to, once again, be able to pay attention to the street signs, recognize where we're walking, and we find ourselves on a path we shouldn't be on, turn around, get on the path we're supposed to be on. Amen? Why don't you stand with me, let's pray. Father God, we come before you right now, Lord, and we lift up this evening to you. We lift up the word that we uh, uh, study tonight, Lord. And I do pray, God, that it would be our heart to bow our knee in submission to you, to be obedient to you, God, to follow you, to be directed by you. Lord, I pray that you would be glorified and magnified as we submit our lives to God. Lord, I pray that you would move in our nation, that you would move in our in our town, that you would move in our neighborhoods, that you would bring our hearts and minds back to you. We find ourselves on the wrong road. I pray that as men and women, we would be quick to repent and quick to get ourselves back on the path following our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we give you thanks for this evening, and we pray, God, that you would watch over and keep us in Jesus' name. Amen.